Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Good to have you in the house of the Lord. If you would, take your Bibles out. Turn with me to the book of 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. We've gone through the book of 1 Thessalonians. Now we're going through the book of 2 Thessalonians. We're in the second chapter. It's our fourth sermon in 2 Thessalonians. We're going to begin reading in 1, verse 1. We'll read down to verse 12. I'll read out of the New Living Translation. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how he will be gathered and we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that People call God in every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, It will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him and with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you the opportunity we have to share your word tonight. We pray that you open up our hearts to receive and give us ears that would hear And Lord, may we leave here tonight, Lord, anticipating, looking forward to that great day of seeing you face to face. I pray, God, that we'll leave here encouraged, God, strengthened and and emboldened to be the light shining in the darkness. I pray that we'll leave here tonight, God, with our mission settled, to reach the lost, to declare that Jesus saves. In Christ's name, everybody said Amen. So tonight's message, as you can tell, is dealing with the subject of the coming of the Lord and the revealing of the Antichrist. Now, this is not one of those encouraging messages that causes people to to just be thankful and, 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 and a shout and just to have a great time in the presence of the Lord. 
But this passage is filled with the sobering reality of what is to come and what will happen. I think most of us would agree that when it comes to end times, when it comes to, to prophecy, we cannot presume to know the mind of God or his reasoning behind his actions. But I suspect in part, a part of his purpose in keeping prophetic information in, uh, metaphorically and nonspecific is really to increase our faith so that we will walk by faith, hold to his hand. He gives just enough information to reveal the, the basic outline of the future. This means that you and I can find assurance in God's ultimate triumph without charting our lives independently. See, God envelops human existence in, in mystery, keeping us slightly off balance so we will depend upon him. Nonetheless, people continue to predict specific dates and times and places when Christ will return and when the Antichrist will appear. People often are left disappointed and disillusioned and cynical when these dates don't happen and things don't come to pass. You know, you know God never gives us specific dates or times of Jesus' return, but he does allow us to look into the future and gain a, a, a panoramic view of what lies ahead. And we know society will continue to degenerate and the earth itself will convulse as the end approaches. We also know that a person chosen by Satan will rise as a world leader, promising to usher the nations into peace. He will exact an enormous toll as he unites the world behind him. And his purposes are diabolical. They're anti-God and, and, and utterly repressive. Even so, a great apostasy will occur as, as millions betray their faith and, and follow the Antichrist. Paul wrote of this Antichrist and the ultimate fate which awaits those who refuse to, to believe in Jesus Christ. And Paul's purpose was to encourage us by catching a glimpse of Christ's victory over evil's doom. The apostle hoped to inspire courage and perseverance and, and hope in the present. And by refusing to chart the Pacifics, he prevented us from becoming obsessed with the end times to the exclusion of the present moment. But yet, at the same time, he holds us enough so that we can prepare, and he tells us enough so we can prepare for that ultimate day. God does not leave us in the dark, unsuspecting of his plans. Paul, Paul's outline, the last days, actually instills comfort. God does not abandon his people. He warns them of difficulties so they can prepare themselves. But best of all, we know with certainty that Christ will triumph. We know with certainty that God will reign. So we study 2 Thessalonians, investigating the plan of God as he reveals it. Then we live one day at a time, devoting ourselves to righteousness as we anticipate that day when we're going to share with his glory. And church, I'm here to remind you that you are victors in Christ Jesus. 
that we don't have to fear the future, we don't have to fear the Antichrist. To be honest, I'm not looking for the Antichrist, I'm looking for the return of Christ. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm aware that what happens as the days begin to, to get closer to tonight, that, that we must be about the Father's business, that we must proclaim this gospel to the ends of the world, that we must be light shining in the darkness of this world. But church, my eye is looking for the coming of Jesus Christ. He's appointed not us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. And I'm thankful for God's salvation. Amen? So Paul opens up chapter two, basically telling the Thessalonians, oh, steady yourselves. Don't be so anxious. Don't be so worried. Look back at verse one. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have a spiritual vision, a special revelation, if you would, or a letter supposedly from us. This introduces the main topic of this letter and Paul's reason for writing to these brothers in the faith of Thessalonica, is he had already taught them concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He'd already spoke about being gathered to him. Paul's first letter answered questions regarding the believers who had died. For there was concern that they had missed out of heaven because they died before Christ would return. Another concern was that the expectation of Christ's return was causing some to stop working and, and just to wait and just be idle until he returns. So Paul's first letter explained that Jesus would come suddenly and that believers who had already died would rise out of their graves to, to meet him while those here on earth would be called up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So here in chapter 2, verse 1, Paul states that believers will be gathered to him. And the Greek word used here is also used in Hebrews 10:25 where it refers to an assembly meeting for worship. A gathering together like those coming together for worship. Jesus also expressed his desire to gather his people. You remember when he stood over the the hilltop overlooking Jerusalem Matthew 23, verse 37 says he began to cry out, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together. There it is. Gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. There's two words here in the first few verses that kind of stick out. Don't be easily shaken or alarm. That word shaken in the original means to be disturbed. The word alarm means to be inwardly aroused, like an alarm sounding, causing one to be unsettled. And the word alarm is even stronger than the word shaken. And the word conveys fright, perhaps even shock or panic. Paul says, 
Don't be shocked. Don't be panic about these things. Don't, don't allow these things to create this alarm in you, this, this panic in you. I've already told you about these things. Undoubtedly, there was a false letter circulating. There was rumors. And how many know <laughs> when you're dealing with people, sometimes you deal with rumors? It happened in the early church. Here, Paul is correcting it. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have a spiritual vision. If they claim to have a, a revelation. Or even if they say they have a letter from us. Don't believe them. Let me give you an important note. There are always people coming in every age saying they have a word from the Lord. Let me encourage us. Stick to the apostles' doctrine and to the word of the living God. Let the word of God be your guide. Let the word of God be the plumb line. When somebody says, I have a special revelation, somebody says, God has spoken to me, listen, let it line up with what God's word says. Somebody coming preaching, teaching something that's contradicting the apostles' doctrine, the, the word, the Bible, is, is contradicting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear me, let God's word be true and let man be a liar. Amen. The word of God remains forever. Guide and live your life by the word of God. Even when people put, put authority behind it, God told me. You know, I've never seen so many people blame God. Well, God just told me. I feel God telling me this. I think what we need to do is just get into the word of God. Amen? Exercise a spirit of discernment. So Paul was telling the Thessalonians, he says, don't panic. Don't be alarmed. Don't, don't, don't get all worked up about this. Even if somebody says, I've got a word from God. Even if somebody says, listen, I've got a new revelation. Even if somebody says, I have a letter from the apostle here. Paul says, I haven't written any other letter than what you're reading here. Exercise a spirit of discernment. Then he begins to talk about what must happen. Verse 3, don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Since Paul did not want these believers to be led into falsehood, deceived by, by, these, by these tales, he unfolded for them what the day of the Lord would look like. The events leading to it is culmination in judgment. See, we believe the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ begins with the rapture of the church. We believe that there's going to be a year, seven years of tribulation. We believe that the Antichrist is going to be revealed during that time. And we believe that Christ is going to come back and the battle of Armageddon is going to take place. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to destroy the powers of darkness. And then Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years and Christ is going to reign. We call that the millennial reign of Christ. 
And then after that, we believe that the enemy will then be released according to Scripture. We don't know for what time. We don't know how, how period uh, and, and, and how long that will be, but there will be then another great deception that will take place. And then, then there will be the final great white throne judgment where all the earth will give up its dead and everybody will stand for, for this judgment seat of God. And church, I want to be ready for that first coming. I want to be ready when that trumpet sounds. I want to be ready when Jesus, oh, listen, God looks over to the sun, go get your bride, bring her home. I want to be ready. Paul's telling the Thessalonians, don't panic about these things. Don't get worked up about these things. You've not missed anything, he said. There's going to be something that happens before all of this takes place. Before that great day comes, Paul declared the rebellion must occur, a great falling away. And the word used here is apostasy. So before the day of the Lord, there will be a great denial, a deliberate turning away by those who profess to belong to Christ. That's what apostasy is. It will be a rebellion. Those who have once aligned themselves with Christ, they will abandon him. Now, within the recognized church, there will come a time when people will forsake their faith. And throughout history, there have been defections from the faith. But the apostasy about which he wrote to the Thessalonians would be a, a greater magnitude and would signal the coming of the end. But then there's going to be a revealing. The other precursor to the day of the Lord will be a revealing of the man of lawlessness, the man doomed to destruction. He'll be revealed in the case that he is a real man living on earth whose identity is not known or at least not understood until a particular time. But at that particular time, then the mask will be taken off and his true identity will be revealed. The man of lawlessness is the description the word gives him. Everything you can think of when it comes to lawlessness, the Antichrist is that plus more. Verse 5 tells us, when will this happen? Verse 5 says, don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back? Him who? The Antichrist. What is holding the Antichrist from being revealed? For he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly. It will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. So the spirit of Antichrist is already at work in society. But there is something holding back, a restrainer, if you would, holding back the Antichrist from being revealed. Then... Verse 8, the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Now, if you drop back to verse 5, it, it almost seems that Paul interrupts the discussion with a rhetorical question. Don't you remember that I told you about all of this when I was with you? 
It was a rhetorical question intended to jog the Thessalonians' mind, to get them to think. This was nothing new. It was a reinforcement of what they had heard. And why had they gotten off course? And why had they become excited by other teaching? Having already received the truth of what will come, why were they being deceived and, and sidetracked? And hear me, church, no words should ever supplant the word of God in your life. No other teaching should replace the word of God. No interpretation should undercut what is clearly taught in Scripture. Stick to the apostles' teaching. Stay with the word of God. This YouTube theology needs to get out of here. Listen. <laughs> we used to call it the 10, you know, remember Charleston Heston's movie, The Ten Commandments? I mean, people took the theology from the old uh, TV Hollywood show, The Ten Commandments. They didn't read the word of God. They watched the TV show, and then that became what they followed. Well, today we have this idea of searching this and searching that. I call it you, you know, YouTube theology. Get into the word of God. Study the word of God. Read the word of God. Let the word of God speak to you. Let the word of God grow you. Let the word of God change you. Let the word of God transform you. Let the word of God be your hope. Let the word of God be your anchor. Let the word of God be your strength. Let the word of God be everything to you. Can somebody give God praise? No interpretation should intercup what is clearly taught in Scripture. Stick to the apostles' teaching. Stay with the Word of God. There will always be new twists and theories, new claims to entice, but the Word of God remains steady and dependable. It is absolute, and the Word is trustworthy. It's the anchor of your life. He talks about a great restrainer. This man who embodies sin, Paul says, was being restrained. Something was holding him back. There is a controlling purpose in the affairs of men and Satan as well. Although Lucifer is a ruler of this present system world, Satan and his activities are still restrained by the sovereignty of God. The thought that there is a restrainer holding back evil, church should give you encouragement tonight. Because at times it looks like because of the chaos of our society, the chaos of our world, that, 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 that evil is triumphing everywhere. But I submit to you, there is a great restrainer holding back the evil of society. And the enemy, Satan, Lucifer himself, though he is the God of this little world, yet he is submissive to the God of the universe, who King of kings and Lord of lords. The sovereignty of God is still in control. This lawlessness is already at work secretly, verse 7. It will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Though there is a containment of evil now, 
There will come a day when the present restraint will be removed. But the one who now holds it back, when he is taken away, who is the restrainer? I propose and submit to you, the Holy Spirit is now in the world working in his ministry to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, John 16, 8. The Holy Spirit abides and dwells within you, the ecclesia. You're called the church. I submit to you the great restrainer of the evil one is the church of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you the benefits of the church to community. I want to tell you the benefits of the church to society. The church, because you are the church, the Spirit of God lives and abides within you. There is a restraining effect that the enemy cannot take full control. The enemy cannot have his way. The enemy cannot run rampant. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is working and moving in your life. The Holy Spirit is working and moving in the church of Jesus Christ. He is the great restrainer. As the church and those individuals in it, you are a restraining force of God in the world. The Holy Spirit is at work. He works through the believer in the church to hold back Satan until his proper time. And when the time for the Antichrist comes, the church will be taken out of the way. What is he who is the restrainer? The restrainer has to be removed. The restrainer is removed, then evil has nothing holding it back. Power of darkness has nothing holding it back. I submit to you the great restrainer is the Holy Spirit. And hear me, the Holy Spirit lives and abides and dwells in you. The Holy Spirit cannot be removed without you being removed. And we believe this is the rapture of the church. When Christ comes to gather us, to snatch us up to be with him, though still omnipresent as a member of the Godhead, the Spirit's working relationship as we know it in, the, in this world through the church begins to take on a different dimension. Only when the time comes. When the time of the Antichrist speaks of a specific time, an appointed time, I remind you, find encouragement in that because God has a plan, a specific time for these things to take place. It speaks again of the sovereignty of God. Sometimes you watch the news. Sometimes you see the evil that is all around us. Sometimes you see all the conflict, the war, and you see the ugliness of everything that's happening. And you wonder, Lord, is there a plan? Paul, writing to the church of Thessalonians in his second letter, talks about that plan and talks about what is holding back that Antichrist, even though the spirit of Antichrist is at work even today, even now, yet the Antichrist is being restrained. It speaks of there's a plan. It speaks of the sovereignty of God. I talked Sunday about how the king's heart are like water in the hands of the Lord, and he turns it whithersoever he desires. The sovereignty of God. 
your plan, your, your, your life is not out of control. Your life is not, is not governed by chaos. Your life is governed by the sovereignty of God, by a good, good father. Find encouragement in these words. In the last days, God will act with deliberate purpose and holding back Satan's workmen so that the man of sin may be revealed at the proper time. Just as Christ had an advent entering history at the proper time when the time was fully come, Galatians 4, 4 says. So the Antichrist will have a proper time for his revealing. This will be a strategic time in history, not only for this man, but a time perfectly suited for this man in the moral evolution of the world. Because God's purposes and plans are going to be accomplished. Jesus, however, it's almost as if Paul's given you a, a, a sketch of what is going to take place. Not details, but almost an overview. And I love verse 9 or verse 8. It says, then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth. <laughs> He'll be revealed, but at that appointed time, at that right time, Jesus is going to come and slay him with the, with the breath of his mouth. Just one breath, and he's going to be slayed. He's going to be destroyed. Let me tell you, good triumphs over evil. I want to tell you that righteousness prevails. I want to tell you the, the power of your God, the power of the Lord you serve is by the power of his breath. All his enemies are brought down. That's the king you serve. Now let's take this and apply it to our life. How can we take this word and apply it to where I'm at right now? Can I tell you something? All it takes is for the Lord just to say one thing. Speak one thing over your life. And suddenly the power of darkness is defeated. I want you to see the importance of living closely, closely to the Lord. The importance of living in close relationship with God. Just one moment in his presence and a shift begins to happen. Just like the Antichrist will be destroyed by the breath of the Christ. Just like he'll be destroyed. Like just just one, one moment of the Holy Spirit moving, the wind of God blowing in your life. And suddenly that obstacle becomes nothing. That mountain becomes a plain. That valley becomes flat land. God begins to work. And move. Just like that, things begin to line up in your life. Just like that, a shift begins to happen and God begins to pour out abundant blessings upon you. Understand, though at times when we look at what is happening in our world, we become confused. Sometimes alarm sets in. May we never forget that God is sovereign over all things and his plans and purposes will be accomplished. Can you say amen? I've read the end of the book and guess what? My king destroys the power of darkness. My king is coming back 
on a white horse. My king, written on his thigh, is king of kings and lord of lords. I've read the end of the book, church, and it tells me I'm gonna be with the Lord forever and ever. Aren't you thankful tonight? Can we stand and lift our hands to the Lord? Can we just give God praise? Can we spend a moment just worshiping him? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, Father, that these things don't have to alarm us, don't have to shake us, God. And Lord, help us to live by your word, by your biblical principles, God. Help us to always keep in mind, God, that, that, that your plan and purposes will be accomplished. And Lord, let us see that the great restrainer, the Holy Spirit, the church abiding in this world is beneficial to society, beneficial to our community, God. So help us be the church. Help us be the church, God. Lord, because we, we are a blessing to our communities. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that lives and abides within us. And Lord, even now, in a personal and unique way, you're restraining evil from attacking us and overcoming us. We're protected. Just like Lord Job had a protection around him. I thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit is our protector, our provider. I thank you, the Holy Spirit, Lord, is the light in us. Now, Lord, help us. Help us to be filled with wonder at your word. Filled with wonder at the power displayed that the Antichrist would be destroyed by the, by the breath of the Son of God. Lord, help us to realize, Lord, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, that we are overcomers, that we are victors, and that we, God, will be with you forever and ever and ever. God, that you are a God of justice. You are a God of mercy and love. You are a holy and righteous God. And your plans and purpose, purposes are perfect. May your glory fill our heart. May your glory fill this church as we worship you, God.